0: Ladies and gentlemen, we, the American people, would like to present to you our new chief epidemiologist for the Coronavirus Task Force, three-time Cy Young winner, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I'm a little confused. Am I the right guy for this job? Of course you are. We've seen you throw a fastball, and she's a beaut. Did you see that pathetic first pitch former chief Fauci threw throughout the other day? (laughs) It was like seven feet left of the catcher. He clearly had to go. But I'm not sure I'm qualified for this. Besides, isn't he like 80? No, 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 not till December. Besides, what could possibly qualify a person more for this position than your ability to throw a major league pitch? I don't know. Education? Experience? Ha <laughs> uh, You crack me up, Kershaw. So, Dr. Kershaw, what is your first directive on how to eliminate this pandemic? I guess wear a mask and stay home? Okay, get this clown out of here. Someone get Justin Verlander on the phone.
1: The Born to Be Mild Podcast.
0: Hey, hello, and welcome back to another brand new edition of Born to be Mild. On this week of July 26th, 2020, I'm with the prolific Ron Cabuno, and I am the pretentious Pete Crawford, trying to keep up with all the madness at all times. Ron, what are we keeping up with right now, compadre?
1: Well, good to be with you once again, my friend. It is always nice to be able to come back and see what the week has had in store for us and what we are looking for in the week ahead. Um... It has been a busy week, as always. Uh, Trump is apparently assaulting our liberties at all fronts right now. Mm-hmm. And you've got the don't tread on me folks who are more than happy to have federal brown shirts out in Portland and other cities around the country. Basically taking people into unmarked vans, questioning them, and then chipping them <laughs> and releasing them back on the streets. Yes. Um, he's got a complete flip-flop on the COVID front, where he is now... Supporting mask usage. Um, I think he wants to take two, but I don't know if many people are going to give it to him. And person, woman, man, camera, TV is all I can think about when I look at him nowadays. So when he wants to talk about cognitive impairments, I say, sir, please look in the mirror. Um, (laughs) The fact that he wants to brag about his prowess and competency in a test where someone is basically supposed to find out if they are able to keep their license and he's able to have the nuclear codes is beyond me but i know people will support him for much less um but i i did want to say first a melancholy happy trails right off the bat to mr regis philbin now i am not a notre dame fan i'm not a new york yankees fan this guy was a notorious fan of both but he helped me out through a lot of mornings when I was either late for school or skipping it altogether. And uh, I really did enjoy his uh, color-on-color tie and shirt combo from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So I know that we just used him in last week's intro, and it's unfortunate to see his passing at the age of 88 just this last week.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a little bit uh, fitting for us to use him on our final episode that he would have able to been listening to I Had know he's a big a fan. fan. Yeah, he was <laughs> fan a big fan. of the fan. show. <laughs> but that said, yeah, it was really sad to hear that news. Uh, Regis was maybe not everyone's number one favorite performer ever. We we talked a lot about Alex Trebek and how big of a loss that's going to be because it looks like he may be coming down the pipeline too, and that's going to be a sad one. But Regis was an American icon. This is a guy who, for years and years, people were watching when he did it with Kathy Lee Gifford and then later with Kelly Ripa and I morning shows. Not really my thing. I occasionally, I would tune in honest to God. The most uh, Regis I've ever really watched for his morning show was the episode of Seinfeld that he did with <laughs> Kathy Lee Gifford and they interviewed Kramer and in his coffee table book that doubled as a coffee table It turns into a
1: coffee table book. My God, is that genius?
0: It, it is. It's pretty good. So, um, I didn't know a lot about that, but I knew a lot about him as an icon, as an icon of New York. And I really liked Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, because anyone who knows me knows that I'm kind of a trivia master. I'm, I would have been a wonderful um, lifeline for the person you want to call <laughs> for your phone a friend.
1: Yes, you would have been on my short list as well.
0: Yeah, and probably you on mine. So, yes, uh, happy trails, Regis. Uh, thanks for everything you did. And also a happy trails to uh, Olivia D. Havilland. Now, she had been around all the way back since Gone with the Wind. She played Scarlet O'Hare's cousin. The woman was born back in, I think, 1916. She was 104 years old. Happy she stu- trails, my God. 104 years. She was in Gone with the Wind back in 1939. That's the same year to see some stuff. that the Wizard of Oz came out.
1: Yes, yeah, she saw some <laughs> shit in her life. That was Black Friday, absolutely. I mean, this is the Great Depression.
0: Right, so... Um, happy trails to her as well, uh, a legendary uh, actress from back in the the days of the the black and white screen, and even before that with the no sound. That's how long she was around.
1: Wow. I mean, well, all right, so speaking of Alex Trebek, I, I always like to do a living tribute. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Um, it's like with Nicolas Cage, where he shoots bow and arrows with his daughter, and it's all cold up in Chicago or whatever. I forget what it's called, but he's got a real asshole of a dad who has a living tribute because he's a real famous big shot dude. So I think it's very cool when you can celebrate someone's life before they die. Because mm-hmm. how the hell are they supposed to enjoy it afterwards? You know? Um, and so Alex Trebek should be celebrated while he is still walking the earth. And he's taken his fame and his, um, his power... Seriously, we had just last week a John Oliver episode that was focused solely on conspiracy theories. and It was on, terrific.
0: By the way, if you haven't seen it, yes, find it on YouTube. It is amazing. And, and it is dead I think,
1: on. like he said in the episode, show it to your crazy uncle. You know, like this needs to be shared because we're at a point right now where you can't expect the powers that be or the information channels that be to get through to everybody you have to start calling people out on the streets on the phone and in the living rooms of America so we can stem this craziness and nip it in the bud before it takes over uh, the entire public consciousness so what he did was he had people from all different walks of life or categories of interest that the American public would like Opining on why conspiracy theories are bad and poisonous to our discourse, Alex Trebek was one of them, as well as like John Cena or whatever. But I just thought it was fantastic that he was using his forces for good, so to speak.
0: Yeah, he had Catherine O'Hara. He had uh, who was the mom from Home Alone, and she's in a a bunch of famous movies like Christopher uh, Guest movies. Yes, I was just gonna say uh, best in uh, show. And uh, a mighty wind. Uh, She's fantastic and everything. And most people probably know her from uh, Shit's Creek at this point, which is a a great show.
1: A huge hit right now.
0: Yeah. Very good show. Very funny. Um, But so
1: it was basically someone for everyone. It's like, if you like this type of stuff, well, here's a guy who's telling you that what you're reading on the internet and the pandemic is total bullshit and you're basically hurting the country by believing in it.
0: Right. Now that the top. Epidemiologist in America is uh, apparently not trustable. And uh, Bill Gates is not trustworthy either. And well, I mean, I, come
1: on. He can't even get it over home plate. Why should we trust him?
0: I know, right? It, I, I forgot that your ability to be a 79-year-old man who's been working as <laughs> the chief doctor in this entire country, working specifically on these things with multiple medical degrees and was hired by a Republican iconic president but you know what it really comes down to that terrible pitch because at 79 if you can't throw a great fastball a four seamer then you're out i got no time for it yeah i didn't i didn't see that two finger so
1: homeboy is number one nerd in the country and you're expecting him to clock on the gun get out of here that's ridiculous it it is a
0: little ridiculous but speaking of I, i could throw a baseball I could throw a baseball, but please, please don't put me in that position because yeah, I would have no I can't no idea. tell
1: you what the standard deviations are for this uh, report and this set of data is.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, i not going to uh, be the Speaking
1: one. of Reagan, did you see that the Reagan Foundation uh, had a cease and desist order sent to the Trump administration for using Reagan's name and likeness on some bullshit $45 commemorative coins that he's been hawking?
0: Yeah, I, I No, I didn't see that. That's fantastic. Yeah, so
1: essentially the stalwart um, linchpin of modern conservatism, his um, his benefactors and his foundation says, listen, keep my name out of your mouth, Donnie. We, we, <laughs> we, we want to have no part in what you're selling these keep days. Keep my
0: name out of your mouth, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That, that's my Reagan from the grave.
1: I was going to say, I could see a little wrinkled white raisin just yeah. talking those words.
0: Oh, man. So, but, I, at some point, like we do... Uh, oh, might I say, before we uh, leave Alex Trebek uh, behind for this episode, he looked great in that video. This did. did not look like a man with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. So
1: No, he holds himself with such a plumb, uh, with such... Uh, man just a steadfast love for life you could tell this man does not want to go but he said like now albeit his wife was like 23 and he was like 45 or 48 when they met a very big age difference but they've been together for over like 30 years or something and he said that he would have pulled the plug on himself a long time ago if it wasn't for his amazing relationship with her so hats off to her for keeping our favorite dude around
0: Yeah, he is the the picture of a consummate professional, and I really don't know anyone who doesn't respect Alex Trebek, so I'm glad he's been left off of the uh, Bill Gates and uh, (laughs) Anthony Fauci list of uh, conspiracy people who are inserting microchips in our bodies.
1: Well, you know who people, the people that wouldn't respect him? The same people that would rather play chess than checkers. (laughs) I was just watching The Wire because my wife has just started it, and I've always said... For a long time, that it is the most perfect, I just got laid off type series to catch up on. I did it when I got laid off, you know, like a decade ago. And I know so many people have done the same. Well, she um, voluntarily resigned her position uh, during the COVID and she just started watching it. She can't stop watching it. And I am so proud of her. Like, I watched probably half the episodes with her. But um, yeah, so there was a moment where. Uh, D'Angelo Barksdale was coming over to his two henchmen who were playing some playing on a chess board in the in the projects. And he's like, yo, you can't make that move. What are you doing? And they're like, oh, we're playing checkers with these chess pieces. And he's <laughs> like, do you want to learn how to play the game properly?
0: I remember that scene.
1: Yeah. That's a but
0: fantastic I- show. I lay a pretty harsh uh, judgment hammer down on the type of entertainment that people choose to consume. Currently mm-hmm. on, on Netflix, I believe the number one movie is The Kissing Booth 2. And I saw The Kissing Booth on Netflix for the last couple of years because it was always in their screensaver. It always had this really goofy picture. I'm like, who the hell is watching this? Apparently enough people watched it that they needed a sequel. And apparently enough people are watching that sequel that it's the number one movie on Netflix.
1: It's a movie?
0: It's a movie, yeah. Uh, so, oh boy. I mean, if that's the kind of stuff you're watching and you're choosing to watch over literal entertainment it doesn't even have to be as good as the wire even if just just rewatch breaking bad or Bra- better call saul or something else
1: yes and so but a lot of people bring up breaking such bad such a waste
0: of time to watch crap like that
1: it is and there's so much better stuff that like i think someone should be over your shoulder at least in your little apple tv box telling you listen i think you're going to enjoy this more why don't i steer you over some more quality programming Um, And so Brittany Put on the Facebook That she was finally getting into the wire And it was on my recommendation And you know some people want to say Well you know it just doesn't have the punch Or the bite and I was like okay, you understand that this is like over 15 years old now, and if it still holds any water at all, it is fantastic. Because you're not sitting here watching Growing Pains. You're like, wow, this is really quality programming. Because it's light years behind (laughs) us. Right. But when you're able to watch something.
0: Mike Seaver and Zach Morris aren't as cool as they used to be.
1: No, it's lame as hell when you watch it nowadays. It's terrible. So, So like when you can watch something procedural, and that's the point that I always make to people. It's like, it's not like SVU, and it's not like Ice Cube, where he's going to ask some dumbass question that has some expository answer that leaps you forward into the episode's you know, context. Um, it, it's basically, it plays out, and if they use some kind of acronym that you don't know about, then you're just left out, because David Simon is a procedural guy. He was a district attorney, and... I mean, like, he's so amazing that, like, he doesn't care. He knows that you'll catch on eventually, but he's not going to dumb it down for you. Exactly. It's just going to be as real as possible. And so he used all these people from Baltimore in the show, and it feels so real that, like, even though it's a little antiquated, it still has just enough bite and realism that, it, you know, it holds water today.
0: It feels very of its time, but I kind of like that. We we tend to watch movies that are made now, and they're they're set in different times, and that's oh fine. they're still
1: using pagers, I, I, you yeah. Know, in the it,
0: water. It, it's, it's everyone doesn't have a cell phone yet. It, it, you know what? The show is also a slow burn. It's not one of these shows that's immediately going to grab you in the first episode or two, maybe. But after you get into it a little bit, especially around season two, the show is just so so good. It's so that's complex. where it
1: that's where it made its mark when they were able to completely change half the cast. And the entire setting of where they were plying their trade, and it still held just as much you know, captivating episode-by-episode episode suspense, Yeah, that's that's where you knew you were watching something special. Because they could plug anybody into there, and you knew it was going to be amazing.
0: It worked with the formula. It's very similar to what was being done with Game of Thrones during its first couple seasons. All of a sudden, you lose Sean Bean and the first season. You're like, wait, that dude is the main character. But the show continued to work with this massive cast and this complex set of political things going on. The Wire is just like that, except it doesn't blow it with the last two seasons. So it's definitely worth a watch for anyone who wants some really engaging and challenging uh, television that's, uh, you know, maybe not as popular as The Kissing Booth 2, but a much better use of your time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and she was like, is that the same dude that did The Plot Against America? And I'm like, yes, that's exactly who it is. She's like, wow, that guy's good. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, he's he's, good. Am- he's amazing. <laughs> like this stuff, it's so quality. Whatever he puts out, so yeah.
0: So we need to get on to some of the stuff that's been going on, and we have to always talk about that that little thing dangling over our head with all the little spiky things around it. COVID the hedgehog.
1: Oh, sorry, um, my bad.
0: Oh, there's a, there's a <laughs> sequel coming for that movie. Believe it or not. Because No Tails was in the first one. I can't believe it.
1: Now, didn't they have something like where he was the worst looking character CGI ever made? Yeah, I was didn't. actually
0: Yeah, the, his original design was terrible. <laughs> and the, the, the public fan uh backlash was so severely negative that they went back, kudos to the studio here, and they pushed the date of the movie back like six months. So they could sp- redraw him, spent all this money. No, they they the movie was done. They had to redo Sonic in the entire movie.
1: That's what I mean. No way. I didn't realize it was that bad. I just heard about how stupid he looked. Like it was.
0: <laughs> you can find it with a quick Google. He looks awful with these tiny little human eyes and human teeth. It's He's almost frightening. That That's little what uncanny it was. valley. That's terrible. what it
1: was. Yes, exactly. There was just too much realism in him. and <laughs> People were very off put.
0: They're like, yo, make him look like he looks like in the video game. So they actually listened, and they did. And you know what? The movie was actually a hit. Because if they would have kept it the way it was and been stubborn the way that studios tend to be, it would have been a flop. So Sonic aside, Sonic news is really not news news. Oh, but I was going to say, uh, speaking of Sonic, it wasn't that Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey played uh, Dr. Robotnik Eggman whatever his name is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey was just on uh Mark Marin, I think last week or the week before, and Mark Marin who I have not been listening to very much at all lately. Uh, except like in the in the beginning to see how he's been doing with the passing of his girlfriend, Lynn Shelton. Um he had uh he had Jim Carrey on and I always love listening to Jim Carrey so that is a really good interview if I can recommend that to anybody who's out there listening.
0: Yeah, Jim Carrey's one of those guys you don't know what he's going to say sometimes. Like he might throw out something that seems kind of deep and you're like, "Wow, this guy he's he's got some ideas that are interesting." And then he says something Way out in left field, I'm like, okay, maybe he's crazy, or is he a crazy genius? But regardless of <laughs> of where he is uh, straddling that line, he's entertaining to hear.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he was really good because he's been through so much that he was like really trying to let Mark Maron know that, like, hey, if you need help with depression or whatever, I'm your guy. I can, I can be there for you. I can you can sit on my couch and I'll help you out, buddy. Because. He has gone through all the metaphysical um, exercises to make himself a better person. So he's climbed every tree that you can find in the holistic wellness sphere. Yeah, so uh, he's found he's his got, katra. Yeah, he's 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 a wealth of knowledge on that, and it. I think it was like Colin Jost who was the one before that, and so. He just came out with a new book that's called like <laughs> The Most Punchable Face. And I was like, all right, at least he's self-deprecating and honest about it. But like, I saw that. You know, this guy is a, a Harvard-educated comedian who is dating Scarlett Johansson. I am going to listen to what he has to say.
0: <laughs> Whether you think he's a bastion of uh, uh, profundity or you think that he's just batshit loony, One or the other, the guy is worth listening to because Jim Carrey, somewhere in between Ace Ventura and The Majestic and all the other movies that this guy's been in, there's a man in there who is some kind of a genius and he's figured some stuff out. Hell yeah. I mean,
1: he said, I don't want to be an impressionist anymore real early on in his career and I'm going back to acting school and figuring out how to be a stand-up comic and then once he got on... Uh, in living color then it was just like alright I'm gonna own the comedy sphere and he really did I mean he pushed the the envelope yeah absolutely he was comedy in the 90s in terms of the big screen
0: yeah he was fantastic
1: yeah so just a a really great listen Um, but I was gonna say in terms of genius crazy person did you happen to catch Kanye West's very first (laughs) campaign rally
0: no, I don't think I read about it even. I kind of oh put my God. Yeezy's usually on my back burner. So what's up? What happened? Well,
1: he should be, but like he's sitting there in front of probably a few dozen sycophants. It seemed like not many more, but he's in a, <laughs> he's in a flak vest that says security on it.
0: I'm picturing a town hall meeting right now. So he's just
1: got on. purple hair on the top and 2020 shaved into his head around the rest of the back. Oh my God and he's just screaming and he's crying and he's like i almost killed
0: my daughter
1: and he's like talking about how he wanted to have his daughter north uh, aborted when he found out that kim was pregnant but he's like yo i don't care i don't give a fuck what you know if she divorces me after this this interview here but um you know uh she called me and she said i gotta talk to you and he's like all I cared about was, I, I hope I didn't give Kim Kardashian aids. <laughs> I'm, like, oh my God I'm like, this man has lost his shit. And it was so it was so disjointed. it made it it, it made Donald Trump look like Walter Cronkite in terms of uh, consistency of message. He was all over the place, and he just kept going back to God whenever he ran out of ideas to ramble off the top of his head. It was It was not a good look. It was not a good listen. And I got to imagine he's not going to have many more of those left in him.
0: Well, if he appears on a ballot anywhere and there's... He nobody, is. If he's, in, I
1: think he is. He's, he's on the ballot, I believe, in Oklahoma and one other state. I don't know, some other, like Iowa or Maine or something like that. It, it was
0: too late for him to get on in Ohio. I'm near positive of that.
1: Thank goodness, right? But it's like the person... The, the, the type of person who is going to actually waste their vote on Kanye probably shouldn't be able to vote at all.
0: Well, <laughs> it's such a meaningless gesture, so I don't care what they do. But if if it really came down to it, and Trump and Kanye were the only two people on the ballot, I honestly may find myself voting for Trump. And that, wow, that is saying something.
1: It is, absolutely, because at least Trump is on medications to quell his... Uh, madness. Whereas Kanye says, "I'm bipolar and I throw my shit in the trash as soon as I find it in my applesauce." <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I would like someone to at least be getting a hold of their um, cognitive disabilities.
0: Right. Oh, so
1: you wanted to talk about COVID.
0: (laughs) Did you say wanted to? Uh, I don't know if I want to talk about No, we
1: have to. I'm just really happy that we were able to push it this far back in the episode. So that's a record for us within the last couple months.
0: It is. And I just want to skate over it because I got to be really honest with you. I'm sick to hell of talking about it. Mm -hmm. So we've got little things going on. We've got uh, DeWine here, uh, um, our governor in the state of Ohio, the great state of Ohio. Finally... Putting a statewide mask wearing order for uh, the entire state, and it's—I mean—is how much is the order going to be enforced? I don't know. But it's it, not it,
1: too little, too late.
0: It's—it's it's an act of um, of little actual. Uh, let's gonna what what I want to say here. It, it, the executive portion of this, I don't know if the police are going to be out here telling There's people very to little wear masks. Teeth. Yeah, it's it's pretty flaccid in its general use, but I like that he did it. And the fact that he did say it gives a little bit more clout to the people who are this entire time who have been saying, hey, we got to wear masks. And they're like, well, that's not what the governor said. Well, at least the governor's now saying it again, too. So let's wear masks in Ohio and in other states and maybe maybe just put this behind us. I don't know. I'm tired of talking about friggin' masks.
1: Yeah, well, so there is that. Uh, But then you have the immediate backing down of it that happened, where there have been so many violent confrontations over people not wearing their masks and feeling like their freedoms are being impinged upon, where all we're trying to do is have you put a little piece of cloth over your horrid mouth.
0: Well, gladly, Um, a lot of these people were Internet shamed in the videos that have been taken of them, too, because I think a lot of people I think the majority of Americans get more pissed off at people doing that then there are Americans that are okay with just lashing out like violently at like some random employee because he's doing his job.
1: Oh yeah. Like when I see some horrific bitch come over and cough directly on somebody who's filming them for not wearing a mask, I want to reach through my phone and slap the shit out of her. Pardon me. Um, Because this is just the most abhorrent type of person on the earth who feel like, They can do whatever they want, and whatever they do has no bearing on someone else. It's like, yeah, that might be true when you used to just have a gas-guzzling Tahoe and cutting people off in the lanes, but this is actually spreading a pandemic, so you should be held accountable for your actions, and you should be publicly shamed for not having a little bit of
0: decency. Um, Yeah, it's really important right now. I'm uh, finding more and more people that I know are uh, being tested positive for the coronavirus. I've had several friends thankfully a lot of these people have had no real complications they've gotten through it with relative ease and that's great but that doesn't change the fact that we still don't know a lot about the disease and there's been studies done lately where there the cdc is telling us that the actual case count could be six to 24 times higher than our official estimates which by way by the way just in the us are currently at four million
1: Yeah, so that would be a sizable portion of the populace that would have been infected by it. Um, Brittany and I both got tested uh, earlier in the week, and we were able to actually get our tests turned around in probably under four days, which is way better than the national average that you've been hearing about.
0: Yeah, it's been one to two weeks lately.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of cool. It was actually through the CVS drive through window, which was really weird. So oh, they hand cool. you a little packet of stuff, and they're behind the glass, and they tell you what to do. <laughs> step-by-step, uh, step, and then there's a Dropbox a little farther up. So it was a very good system, and I would recommend that anybody who might have any uh, inclination to get themselves tested, I, you know, we were coming back from Hilton Head, and uh, some people just might have symptoms, and that's a pretty good way to go if they want to do it that way.
0: Uh, I do want to support that, uh, but I also want people to keep in mind that the reason we're seeing a lot of delays right now is because the people that uh, conduct these tests, the scientists that we've got in labs working on these things, are backed up beyond belief. They are completely overwhelmed with tests, and that's why suddenly there are two-week waits sometimes for people to get their, their test results back, which at that point, I mean, you know, what's what's the point? You might Yeah, be, you
1: could have been an asymptomatic super spreader the entire time and being completely irrational about where you were going and yeah, who knows what kind of damage you've done. Exactly.
0: So... And it all of it has to do with the, just the the amount of tests people are getting and they they flat out don't have the amount of resources. They don't have the, the chemicals they need. They don't have the testing supplies and the kits. They're just running out of stuff right now and the, the people manufacturing these things, they can't keep up with the demand. So yes, if you got symptoms or if you've been around somebody who tested positive or if you've been out in public where you're you're wondering, By all means, be safe and get tested. But don't keep getting tested on a whim every 10 days because you've got a bad case of hypochondria.
1: Right. But I can also say that we are into the probably fifth month of this. And the fact that we don't have our um, production mobilized to the extent that it needs to be, where we're looking around for pipettes and little nooks and crannies and little pieces of the testing apparatus that we can't fill uh, it just goes to show you that uh, there are big holes in our supply lines. Um, obviously, like we get a lot of our pharmaceuticals made overseas, and that is definitely a weak point if we're going to start having a Cold War with people like China. Um, but if we can't just like turn our factories over to make masks and make testing kits and things like that, or we're not trying hard enough to do so. That is a flaw in the way that we are uh, conducting our business here at home.
0: Conducting our manufacturing for certain. So something the U.S., one of the many things, I should say, the U.S. could stand to improve on as we're looking ahead. Speaking of China, uh, they, along with Russia mainly, have been trying to hack in and get some COVID-19 info from the good yeah. old <laughs> U.S. of A. Now, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> i like All right, to hear so what talk. I
1: think is that Russia is the grimy kid in class who has to go to school with, like, really old shoes. Now, we don't blame him because his parents probably just don't give a fuck, but they're just trying to get to the head of the class by stealing the smart kid's test. That's the way I see it. Um, This is not cool by any means. This is them not doing it the right way. They're figuring, obviously, there is so much money to be made in the cure. We know that. Now, whether you're selling it for a dollar or a thousand dollars, like Remdesivir, you're going to make a lot of money. You are going to have a lot of clout when you come up with the vaccine. There's going to be more than one vaccine made and that's going to pass muster. We see that China is skipping over a lot of protocol to get theirs to the head of the class, and we might be doing the same thing for ours. Uh, in hopefully lesser degrees, but when you can just essentially circumvent all the real tough work that it takes to get that done by stealing intellectual property, by having your little—I uh, don't know—your little clowns come in and get in, hack into somebody's database, and figure it out on the short. Not cool at all, and that's definitely a cause for fighting in
0: my in my book it's something to keep an eye on because obviously whoever comes up with the vaccine and with the, the best treatment that puts them at an economic advantage, uh, on a, on a macro level. And so it is important. And we compared earlier as we were doing our pre-show it's, it is a little bit of a, a dick measuring contest. This isn't unlike the arms race. This is not unlike the space race. Once mm-hmm. we got to the moon, we got to the moon, we won. And, uh, that's, that was it. That was all. And this is not much different than that, except that this one does matter. And we do need uh, some sort of a vaccine before I think we're going to ever really get back to normal, normal, whatever that may be, and if that even exists.
1: Yes. Okay. So we can talk about how much the contagion of stupidity is running rampant, but also how much the actual well-warranted hesitation is running rampant in terms of, I'm not going to be the first one to take this because it might be getting rushed. Now, I'd like to say that I would trust the CDC, but certain things that they've done makes it seem like they've been co-opted by the administration. So I don't know how much is real solid science and how much of it is just put that shit out there as soon as possible.
0: And we're going to have to look at things like the FDA approving it as well. I'm not sure how far along the U S is a lot of this stuff is classified. So maybe I can call Russia or China to figure out what's going on in the U S. But, uh, I do know that the, the people at the head of the class right now, at least in terms of what the media has been telling us, uh, is the university of Oxford in the UK. There is a, a woman there who, uh, has been working, I guess, diligently on this, uh, for the last several months, and the vaccine is actually called CHAD OX one ncov nineteen, and it's being developed at an unprecedented speed.
1: And That's super catchy.
0: Yes, it's probably going to catch on. I could see Kanye naming his next uh, child that. If not him, Elon Musk for Elon, sure. Elon,
1: yeah, definitely Elon.
0: <laughs> but th- this this could be ready as early as September for testing. Brazil signing up for it, and maybe as many as two hundred million by next June could be available. And she is seems extremely confident that this is actually going to work.
1: Yeah. So, um, the U S is basically on the hook for about 200 million of every single vaccine that's in test right now. Um, not only have we funded most of them, but we're also ready at, at, as the first purchasers of them, because obviously we have a lot of money and we like to be first in things. So, um they said that they're going to be able to possibly have up to 100 million doses of a vaccine ready by the end of the year if all goes according to plan and up to a billion or something by the end of next year now that i believe that is just of one of the vaccines but if it proves that there is only one vaccine that's completely viable that leaves a lot of people out across the world So it is going to be the people who have funded it the most, unfortunately, that go to the head of the class and that will be us.
0: Right. And we're good friends with the UK. So we're having a great relationship with them. Certainly doesn't hurt our chances. But this vaccine, uh, as far as we know right now, and they already have 100 million ordered (laughs) as of right now. So this is going to come fast if it works. But it does or it has been shown to uh, show a trigger an immune response. And the side effects have been fairly not, uh, I'm going to say not dangerous. There are some side effects, but nothing big, nothing. Right. Yes. That was good because they were minimal,
1: regular immunosuppressant type side effects. Correct. Uh, mild fever, uh, soreness at the injection point, that kind of regular stuff.
0: So that's really good news to hear. Um, now I wanted to share something that I read recently with you it actually was a woman in the UK and we talk about how little we know about this virus all the time and how we're learning new things and how it affects everyone differently but there was a woman over there who almost died and she had zero symptoms that we look at for your your primary identifiers for the coronavirus she didn't have a cough at all she had no fever no shortness of breath no, nothing that would suggest that she was sick in any way she wasn't even tired But then one day she woke up and she like couldn't move the left half of her face. Uh So her husband comes and says to her, what's going on? The first thing they obviously both suspect is like, oh, it's a stroke. Uh So she goes in and by the time she gets to the doctor or the emergency room, she can't even move the left half of her body. So Uh now they're pretty sure it's a stroke. Well, they they do all kinds of tests and there's nothing to show that there was any kind of a stroke or a brain attack going on. Nothing damaged anything going on uh, in her brain at all. And trying to figure out what's going on still, they just went ahead procedurally and ran a test for COVID because that's what you do right now. And she tested positive. And now this woman has got half of her body not working. She can't talk. And it's, that's what the coronavirus has affected on her. None of the other things. Well, there's a happy ending. Fortunately for her, What they ended up doing was something that we don't talk about enough. They did the plasma exchange treatment, which is where they basically give you the plasma from someone's blood who has recovered from COVID, and they've got the antibodies uh, running in their blood, and as they filter out basically an oil change for your body. As they filter your plasma out, they put the antibody-rich plasma in from the other people, and within a week, she was good to go. I'm not sure why this isn't being utilized more. First of all, that's a really scary story because these symptoms are so broad. Like anything is COVID now a hangover is COVID and it's amazing. And Um, second of all, why aren't we using this more? Why this needs to be a widespread thing. This, this plasma treatment.
1: So there have been several initiatives that I've seen advertising on mainstream media, as well as just some other auxiliary sites That are asking people, please, if you have survived COVID, go and donate your blood so that people can centrifuge that up and and donate the plasma to people who are badly in need. So it's out there. I just don't think the prevalence is there. Um, And it's not widespread enough because I think people just are reluctant to go back out into society after they got done probably suffering from COVID. Um, And also... It's it's um, it's something that is a little scary to a lot of people to undertake. And it seems a little uh, medieval. So people would rather just take a pill than have a blood transfusion. Um, and also a lot of states like our own, you can see in the covid reports on the website from Ohio.gov or whatever, they don't have any number for recovered patients, which I think is just insane. Yeah. So like Pennsylvania, certain counties least,
0: do certain counties do, but, but as, as a state, state, we don't, they don't No.
1: which is very weird because they certainly do keep up on deaths, ICU admissions and cases and how that plays out over like the previous 14 or 21 days. Um, I think just certain, certain States run their, their sites And their uh, warnings a little better like our neighboring Pennsylvania they let you know how many people have been infected over the past 24 hours when they give you the rundown whereas Ohio just gives you the running total so when you see 2,000 blah 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 deaths or whatever you're like was that in the last 24 hours no that's overall okay how much did that move from yesterday they barely give you any inclination on the daily rundown So I Mm -hmm. feel like it's done not in the best interest of people who are trying to understand where we are at in a day-to-day basis. So I, I, you know, like when you don't see anybody recovered, you don't know the prevalency of the people who would able, who would even be able to take part in such a, a, you know, an undertaking.
0: And I know it's also on the people themselves, maybe everyone just because they've recovered, they don't find it to be their civic duty to go out and donate plasma. I myself would be a little uh, squeamish to say the least about donating plasma. I always thought it was weird to pull blood out of me, take something out of it and then put the blood back in my body. Uh, We have a friend, uh, Derek Barr, mutual friend of ours who used to do it all the time back in college because Oh,
1: I remember. And I did it as well because we were both a little hard up for the cash. (laughs) That's right. Yep.
0: Extra, extra money. So, but I was never comfortable with it. However, in this situation, if it could save lives and if you're in a situation where you can't breathe, you're stuck in the ICU for three weeks and you're on a respirator and you find out like, Hey, maybe you don't have such a problem anymore with the whole filtering and the blood transfusion thing, because it might save your life.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's definitely something that needs to be, uh, spread a little more widely and let people know that, uh, it's a safe and effective and really tried and true way to treat the COVID.
0: That's right. So uh, moving on a little bit, I'd like to stay on COVID for just one more minute. If we can, Okay. the CDC is saying we should go to school.
1: Yeah, I our, saw that.
0: Our government is saying we need to go to school. The Republican right and parents are saying, get these kids out of my house because I don't even know what to teach them anymore and they need to get back to work as well. But is it safe?
1: Right. So I have seen now, obviously, the transmission rates are in for kids under the age of 10. They are much lower than they are for kids over 10 and for adults over 19 or however they classify the cohorts. But just a little bit goes a long way so we talked earlier in, in an earlier podcast about how even if it's only like 0.2 percent that it's going to be like whatever several thousand children die and we're okay with that but we don't want to send people back for all these other things that's too much we close schools um,
0: in the north if we get five inches of snow so i mean are you worried there's going to be one bus accident and tw- uh, 20 children die or are we really worried about the thousands and thousands of children that may die in this case?
1: Well, we're at a point where we're reaping what we sow because we're sitting here watching other people in other countries enjoy their summers. And then preparations are to go back to school are in place in a normal fashion. And we're just not there. So we're just looking on enviously and maybe trying to play catch up. And so when Deborah Burks or Trump or whoever wants to come out there and say, look, they're doing it, everything's fine. It's like, yeah, because their infection rate is like one fiftieth of what ours is. They don't have so
0: 70,000 new cases every day.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so you're going to be looking at a lot of dead bus drivers, nurses, teachers, administrators, even if the transmission rate from the children is very low. That doesn't mean that the people working in the schools are not going to be affected
0: by them any less. Correct. Well said, because yeah, I, we went into this as well, but I have a friend who is a teacher and she's scared, rightfully so.
1: But listen, I, it's so terrible to think that you have to choose between your occupation or babysitting slash caring for your child at home. Um, it's not fair. And I think that, if we could find a little more evidence that daycare is safe or safer or just as safe, that's good because you have to have somewhere to take these children. People do need to get back to work even though it's not safe like we're such we're stuck behind such a rock and a hard place right now that people are having to make terrible decisions because you have people like Mitch McConnell who finally want to come to jesus about the deficit and they're like no 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 we can't put out any more money for this but we're okay with giving away tax breaks to the rich and to corporations just a couple years ago so like when is spending money on the american population a good idea well i think it's when you screwed the pooch in terms of managing the outbreak of this coronavirus you do have to pay the price now, and that means giving out stimulus checks and extending unemployment benefits to people while we're trying to get the numbers down.
0: Agreed. There's, there's nothing we can do at the point that we've brought ourselves to. We can't go back in time and, and change and suddenly pretend that we're some of these countries in Europe that actually behave themselves.
1: Right, so now we actually have a president who says that wearing a mask is patriotic. I swear to God, if my head was able to spontaneously combust, it would have right when I saw that. Because there's nothing that's made me more heated in the past six months than watching Donald Trump finally say, Well, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah, no shit. Whose fault is that, you big orange turd? It's yours. And now you want to say that wearing a mask is patriotic. Well, anybody that has a Trump flag waving off the back of their pontoon boat certainly doesn't believe that because that's not what you've been saying for the past several
0: months. I know if he would have done this in March... How different would America be as a place if he would have reinforced these kind of precautions and come out on the side of science from the beginning instead of doing what he does best, which is be divisive, divide America, politicize everything. Science is political. Medicine is political. Masks are political. Well, now, asshole, you are admitting that masks are are not political. They're necessary. And you've gone far enough. Even now, look, I I get it. Politicians flip flop. It's what they do, but this is serious stuff right now. This is a man who literally moved the GOP convention for, for his presidential nomination to a different state because they wouldn't let him fill up the building with every single seat because it wasn't safe.
1: Right, so, so he found a better bedfellow in Jacksonville, Florida. He called his called his buddy
0: Rick Desantis down in Florida, and he got he got a place down there that would agree to that. And then what happened?
1: Exactly. Then it blew up over there, and I definitely feel us transitioning into the political uh, wing of this show, and rightfully so, um, because this man is nothing but an incendiary divider. But I do want to say that. You hit it right on the head because I had this conversation with one of my Trump supporting family members on the Facebook just this week when he wanted to put up some kind of hilarious tongue in cheek dismissive meme about, oh, well, here's the type of mask you have to wear when you uh, are working in a paint booth. But this is supposed to, you know, save you from the deadliest virus ever. And I'm like, well, moron yes it would be best if everyone wore an outbreak style suit but we can't get everyone to even wear a bandana so let's just start with the basics and we'll work from there but if you understand anything about transmissibility it's all about doing the absolute effing least that's all we're asking of anybody but so trump wants to politicize that because guess what It's an election year. Not only does he like to sow division and incite chaos on a regular basis, and I swear, like, I can't even keep track of what's going on anymore. Because he's screwing with the census this last week. He's talking about how you're not even going to be able to or have fully apportioned uh, Congress seats and federal funding if you don't have actual citizens in your district which is not how it was meant to be at all when the census was first brought into bearing but like he throws things at you every day that you can't believe is going on so it's just par for the course that this man knows how to just start fires everywhere he goes but has no idea how to put them out and has no idea how to build again
0: and yeah, at this point, his divisiveness has become sort of his entire mantra. It's what he's going to be remembered for because we've reached a point where Americans are literally being evicted. People are losing their homes. The, the time when we got the $1,200 checks and the, there was the $600 uh, um, unemployment relief uh, weekly checks that people were getting, well, people are still getting, I should say. They're looking for another round of stimulus. And he was uh, pretty, pretty uh, steadfast with the idea that he wasn't going to do that. And now he's standing at a point where he's got half of the, his allies in the GOP saying, okay, I'll still side with Trump because, you know, we Republicans stick together. And the other half are like, this is insane. We've got to help out these people who are losing their homes. They're losing their entire livelihoods, people with families and children. We have to put out another virus aid package.
1: So who knows if that's just them being um, looking down the road at their own survival and reelection within their states or actually Could having be. compassion. Yeah. I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that's not how that works, especially on that side of the aisle. Um, But, you know, it's so tough right now because there's such a myopic view on the right that you can't step out of line for one second. Um, I have the argument with people when they're on the right that just because I'm a liberal doesn't mean I agree or subscribe to everything that is done on the left, especially the far left and the radical left. Of course. This is called Born to be Mild. I do not approve of the toppling of statues by extrajudicial means. I do not approve of graffiti. I just said, like, I don't even think it looks that good. You know, it's not my aesthetic. I don't dig it, and I don't dig defacing of property, whether it be public or private. But I understand its place, but I'm not going to get down with it. But, like, you're not going to pin that on me. You're not going to put all the sins on everybody on the left, on me because we do have a broad spectrum and coalition of people that make up the left whereas on the right i can say that you probably ascribe to 90% of the things that donald trump does because a it's a very myopic view of the world that you know is in the right right now but also b you're more worried about stepping out of line and being ostracized by your fellow uh, party mates
0: It's far more tribalistic on the right, as we stand uh, currently. And you could say that it's because they tend to live in rural communities more often. It's a cult of personality,
1: death cult. These people want nothing more than, I swear, like, retribution on fellow Americans. It's getting to such a sick place.
0: Yeah, I get really tired of hearing about how these people love America the most, and they want to get rid of people who hate America the only people I see as people who hate America are people who just flat out hate Americans. And that's, that's what America is. It's Americans. And if you are, don't tell me every day that Donald Trump loves America more than anyone else. No, he doesn't. He hates half the country. Anyone who attacks him or opposes him or didn't vote for him, he literally does not love. And if you believe that he loves America more than any other president, you are so full of bullshit that I have a, very strong feeling. You're not even listening to this show. So whatever. But past presidents of my lifetime have always worked and spoken to the country in a way where they knew that the entire country was was theirs, not just their constituents, not just the party of the people that they represent, all Americans. And well, let's talk about Trump and what's going on Uh, with uh, how he is facing what's coming to be a major crisis in the city of Portland.
1: So um, I just saw this most recent uh, cover of Der Spiegel from Germany, uh, one of their main leading publications, and it's just Donald Trump sitting at the Resolute desk with a match in his hand. And I believe that the, uh, the headline of the paper was something like, the president who is lighting his country on fire
0: it was a fantastic picture i'll be honest
1: it is and it's just so ominous and scary and true to life that it hurts to look at it's hard to believe that this isn't some kind of post-apocalyptic uh hbo show this is actual real life because right now you're seeing the overreach come to its zenith and i really hope it doesn't get any worse but i fear that it will so you have this i i want to say 55 days and running almost of protests after george floyd's killing going on in Mm -hmm. portland oregon and basically um things have gotten out of hand where you have um a lot of violence going on in the streets but it's mainly peaceful however you're seeing Donald Trump want to take his unmarked um, just just brown shirts essentially camouflage federal agents with no insignia whatsoever or names or badges or anything in unmarked rental cars picking people up off the streets Using uh, less than lethal munitions against them when it's completely unnecessary and making things worse so that he can show the people on Fox News how bad things are. Where you know, if you actually wanted to use those federal agents for fighting crimes, then that would have been one thing. But you're just going out there and having them do essentially a Lafayette Square in a dozen cities across America. And, and, the you know, you think, like, if you just didn't watch the news, you would be immune to it. But, like, what if you live in Ohio? He's sending I don't know how many federal agents to go do essentially the same thing in Cleveland right now. So you go to Cleveland one day and you see this type of shit and you're like, wait a second. I thought we were just going to maybe – like, so much for the Insurrection Act, which he was proposed to be using, you know, a month or two ago – Where if you have to send in the army to a place on the domestic United States, that takes a big time set of balls. Whereas if you just want to take these little um, bands of federal agents who are made up of Homeland Security agents, who are made up of Border Patrol agents, who are made up of actually what is possibly outside contractors at this point. Like, we're talking Blackwater people who have no allegiance to the Constitution. They are just paid mercenaries. You got these types of people out there doing your bidding? We are in a sick
0: place. It's been, yeah, it's been long enough now that I think the protests should have evolved into a point where they were largely very peaceful. I understand why there was a lot of outrage at the beginning. But eventually, we have to move toward peace. And if you but you
1: were talking in the pre-show about how they got co-opted, so please expound upon that.
0: Yeah, a lot of this isn't really the same movement we were seeing from the beginning. Uh, we've we've heard from a lot of the uh, actual African American supporters of BLM who are in some of these protests, and they're having a problem trying to get uh, their people organized because this entire protest has been hijacked by white people and it's totally it's, it's white people. Some, some are with the cause, but you've got angry white people. There is violence going on from both ends and the entire message of what this was started on. And this is what I was scared of from the beginning is starting to lose its merit in the, the, the midst of this chaos and this absolute lack of civility.
1: Right. So, I mean, we are two months on beyond the George Floyd death. And we don't have anything in terms of police reforms passing Congress anytime soon because we have lost the laser focus that was there for so many weeks. Now we're just basically we've got the statue thing going on. Like we're not talking about litigate, relitigating the past. Can we save that for another day? We need to focus on police reforms right now at least so when you have all these other messages convoluting the the demonstrations in all these cities and you have actual histories of anarchists within the communities in Oregon how out there in the wild west on the left and the right you're not going to have uh, you know a night that gets ended quietly every night you're going to have people who are trying to incite as much violence as possible when they see the opportunity.
0: And that's really what this has devolved into. So I, if you haven't watched the the live streams of what's going on in Portland, or you don't happen to be a resident of Portland, Oregon yourself, then you may not really have a clue of exactly how awful it is right there. Right now. It's, it's something else. Don't get your news from Fox and you know what? Don't get it from CNN or MSNBC right now. Just watch some of these live streams and look at it from the people who were there firsthand. Just filming shit with their phone. It is it is crazy madness.
1: It's scary, but it also is just basically in a concentrated area around the federal courthouse, maybe a couple blocks out. And so the problem is, is that when you have these federal agents who are there with the authority to protect federal land and property ie the courthouse and monuments or whatever and then they overstep their bounds and start roaming the city and you have actual drones circling portland possibly very likely picking up cell phone data from everyone who's at the protest now you're looking at big brother overreach of the federal government and for what means it's all nefarious you had Donald Trump making his executive order to criminalize anybody who is defaming the federal whatever but also he just wanted to talk about how people who are radical left and want to espouse these types of views are enemies of American ways of life and need to be prosecuted it's like wait a second so you're gonna let the right wing militias and all these yahoos that are your dudes talk all the crazy they want but on the left they're supposed to be you know prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law that is some authoritarian shit right there and we're on a slippery slope right now because unfortunately the executive branch of this government has far too much utilitarianism under their belt and he is pulling out all the stops week by week and you see you're like there's there's a podcast literally called can he do that that i like to listen to and it just talks about how much power and authority is vested in the executive and the whole you know history of this country basically was predicated on the notion that we weren't going to have somebody that ramshackle and that loose of a cannon occupying the White House because they would never use everything that was vested to them to the fullest extent, but here we are with a man who's doing exactly that.
0: It's been a, a long ride since George Floyd, and it, it wasn't like uh, there was uh, some something in, in Trump before all this started that we thought he was a different man. This is exactly who we knew he was, and it's Correct. really just coming home to roost for a lot of us. And for, for other people in this country who support Trump, it's a a validation of the things that they want to say too. They, they, they think these are thugs, but the fact is, is they're not thugs. These are, these are people who are protesting and yes, some of them have been violent and you're right. A lot of the people protesting with their, uh, semi-automatic rifles outside of the, the, uh, uh, state Capitol houses about mask wearing and Shutdowns? No, they weren't really being violent. I get that. But a lot of these crowds that are being attacked are not violent. So what you have to say is there are police, there, are, there is federal, there is a federal attack going on right now against Americans. And this is so ironic because this is the one point when we heard all of these gun-toting, self-righteous, militia-type people, these NRA-loving members, and the NRA itself, This is the tyrannical government that you were supposed to be there to rise up against with your warehouse full of grenades and missile launchers and half built (laughs) nuclear weapons. Where are you at now? You were all talk. Oh, no, it's different because you're on the side only of Republicans, not of America. So if you're really against tyranny, NRA, show up. Show up and stop this Gestapo tyrannical attack on some peaceful Americans in the middle of a largely liberal city. Let's see where your balls are.
1: Absolutely. So if you want to talk about getting to the bottom of who's spraying graffiti, you don't need federal agents to do so. If you want to send them into Chicago because you want to help with actual gun violence, the mayor says, "Yeah, they're all for it, but if you're going to do this type of Portland shit, then stay the hell out because that's a complete a horse of a completely different color. You're not there for what you say you're there for. You're there to score points and make as much trouble as possible so you can have news clips. You're not there to actually help. No. So I mean, like, you're a
0: political prop. Is all you are.
1: Essentially, yeah. And you have people acquiescing at all levels." So you have all these Republican senators who are supposedly so resolute in their you know, devotion to the Constitution who are completely silent right now. And not only that, but you have them basically giving up the authority that they've been vested by having acting secretaries of uh, Department of Homeland Security and other departments pretending like they've been completely vetted. So these people have not had to go through the proper channels to, ha- to occupy the, the places that they hold right now. And they are doing the absolute bidding of one man and they haven't had to go through the approval of the full Senate, which is, you know, something that they should be shameful of, that they haven't got to do their part in making sure the right person is, is occupying these jobs
0: this entire thing has been a damn shame and uh what began as something that felt like a movement that was actually going to yield some positive results for this country and for uh, against police brutality in general and hopefully for the greater good has turned into um everybody get their shot ready a complete shit show so from there i guess
1: anywhere else let's go anywhere Anywhere else else. it's it's (laughs) a little
0: somber and a little depressing at the same time so let's get to our favorite segment of the day we get to talk about some stuff we actually enjoy
1: yes please so Uh, what have you been up to this week what's been tickling your fancy
0: well i got to watch a baseball game on television
1: holy shit
0: it was nuts i I watched the uh, cleveland indians home opener um, still the Cleveland Indians, not the Cleveland baseball team yet, but uh, we'll get into that topic here in a second. Uh-huh. But uh, it was um a little surreal because they had the piped-in crowd noise. It was kind of odd. Uh,
1: I think they... now they don't have the cardboard cutouts in their stadium, do they?
0: No, I, I didn't. Okay. I, the, the, but the noise, the noise is weird. They... Well,
1: you heard about that with the uh, season ticket holders getting to have. You know their faces and likenesses in the stands for a nominal fee.
0: Yeah, I don't. I if if there were some up there, I didn't notice them. The, the stands just looked empty to me. But um, <laughs> the 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 game itself, what a welcome! What a welcoming that was for me, just to turn on and watch a team that I root for, playing a sport that I love, and it's something that's been lacking in my life for so many years. Um, I want to say that I loved every second of it. That's not true. I enjoyed it a lot as something that I'd missed, but it's it's a little odd. Uh, some of the things are different. Indians won their first game. Game two, they went into extra innings, and I didn't know about this until.
1: The extra inning rule with, like, the person on second. Is that what you're going to bring up? Yeah,
0: I didn't know about I this. Had, I
1: didn't see it, but I heard somebody bitching about it online.
0: I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. So Kansas City starts with a player on second base. <laughs> Apparently you get a runner on on second base when you begin all the extra innings right now. So Unreal. so they cut down the, the time of the games. And well, it, needless to say, I'm upset about it because the tribe didn't win. But well,
1: yeah, <laughs> this is something that they didn't really need to implement especially in a 60-game abbreviated season. 60 but games. It's, it,
0: what, but yeah. you know what, let's talk about that. That's
1: It's a sprint. Kind of cool. Yeah, but they were saying that you know if that was the case last year, the eventual World Series champion Washington Nationals would have been like third from last because they had such a slow start and they were able to turn their season around. And that's great. But if you play, that's why it's a marathon. Normally, it's a it's 162 games.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. I I understand that. And even all the way, I was checking on all this because I'm like, I bet you somebody's going to bat 400 this year because there's only 60 yes, games. Yes, very possible. So I I went back and checked uh, when Ted Williams batted uh, 406. and that, yep. that was back in, um, I believe, the 1941 season, which wow. is the same season that uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio had his uh, famous hitting streak.
1: I was going to say that was a year before they all had to go off to war. It was
0: yeah, it was. It, it goes down in history by many as. Uh, the great, greatest season in MLB history. But I was thinking back then they probably played a lot fewer games, but no, they still played 154 games every season. Yep. So only eight games less than we're playing now. So it it, it is kind of interesting. I, I understand your point, but you know what? If you played a 32-game NFL season, I bet you you'd end up with a different Super Bowl champ too. So at some point, whatever, you just look at who's playing well and that's who's the best and we got what we got. Every game right now is about two and a half times as important. Which is, which is something I actually enjoy because sometimes each baseball game in the dog days of July doesn't necessarily feel that crucial.
1: Right. No, I get it. And somebody, you know, brought up the equivalent where if you go on like an 0-7 losing streak, it's essentially losing 20 games in a row in a regular length season. So everything is kind of out of whack right now, but it's still something to watch and enjoy and as a spectacle. And, you know, like for my friend Hunter, shout out, because he came over this week while a bird was in my house while I was at work and got <laughs> it out so my wife would not freak out. Nice. What the kind of bird was big, it? It was just a tiny little guy who found his way, I think, into the laundry vent part of the house and uh, was occupying the bedroom for a little amount of time, but definitely freaking out everyone inside. Um, So yeah, Yeah, he just loves to be able to hear Tom Hamilton. And I totally understand, like especially when there are no people in the stands and the visual spectacle doesn't matter. As long as you still got this guy going wild on the mic, it feels like a normal game. It feels like, you know, business as usual.
0: Oh, there's been many a times when I've turned off the, uh, the, the audio and the TV and I turn on uh, the radio.
1: Be- That's the only way I'll watch a game is with the radio on because that man is magic on the mic. He's
0: legendary. He is a Hall of Fame um, a radio announcer for baseball. I don't care who you want to put up against him, any of the all-time greats. This guy, yes. if, you've, if you've never heard him call a home run shot, then I'm not sure. It's
1: electric. It's, it's 220 volts. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's like listening
0: likes- to the Beatles' White Album for the first time.
1: People like to say that uh, their baseball announcer is the best, and we might have talked about this before, but the only reason they say that is because most of them stick around for 30-plus years, and it's the only person you've ever heard. Right. But, like, this guy actually stands above the rest, and he certainly knows how to get it done.
0: Hamilton is the real deal. Hammy is uh, a a league above most of the guys out there because I've listened to the local guys in Chicago and in uh Los Angeles both for the Dodgers and for the Angels and for the Cubs and for the White Sox none of these guys none of these guys not even close it wasn't even I was like wow that's that that's your home run call i mean what,
1: <laughs> when when somebody it didn't even make me flinch because when 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 he when someone hits a home run In a Cleveland ballpark, you literally jump out of your seat when he makes the call because he makes you do it. It is abrupt. It is startling. It is everything it needs to be. Yeah.
0: The way he he does it, 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 you get a walk-off single to win the game in the ninth inning. Way way back! (laughs) (laughs) Hammy's intensity will get your adrenaline going. You can win the Olympics with this guy uh, talking at you. So I
1: think they have a soundboard of just his clips that I, I encourage everybody to check out and download because it's a, it's a thrill.
0: Yeah. He's amazing. Um, If if you're
1: speaking of Ohio sports, I just saw across the Hmm. wire this evening that there were two Browns that tested positive for COVID. Um, I didn't get a chance to see who they were, but we're already seeing the inklings of uh, how this might play out when NFL is not in the bubble. Uh, Juan Soto Uh, In baseball tested positive this week. So if he has to sit out for 14 days, which is probably 12 games, that's what percentage of a season you're out your best player. So there's that. But I also wanted to speak on Ohio sports because I kind of like, you know, have been okay without sports. I haven't needed it. There's been so much in my life going on. Otherwise, especially with just coronavirus in general, all the priorities have gotten shifted. I still don't know if it's March or not. Um, But like I was able to watch a little documentary from about 10 years ago on the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. And my God, even though this season hasn't supposedly began yet, I don't believe it ever will but i am going to miss college football like crazy was it the- i watched i watched one guy get blown up and you know this michigan runner get blown up and the football and a scoop and score for the buckeyes and i was just like oh my god i want that so bad was it the hbo
0: <laughs> the hbo one? it was it was the game yeah.
1: Yeah, it's probably the third time I've watched it, but it's the first time in many years. I've
0: watched it like twenty times. <laughs> oh, it's
1: so good! It's so good. Yeah, it came out. It,
0: came out two thousand six, uh, just before yes. that that famous uh, one versus two game.
1: Uh, no, it it had that game in it.
0: Oh, then they, right after it.
1: It was two thousand seven. Oh, you're yes, right. You're right. It
0: was right after that game because that was the last they game documented that they
1: how it was the it. Uh, the highest scoring game in the rivalry up to that point. But, like, you know, certain things are lost on you where, like, Ohio State lost its first 15 games of the rivalry. And then the reason that Michigan is such a greater school in terms of academics is because of Henry Ford and all the money that the auto industry brought up to Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, like, Ohio State still plowing the field because that's what everyone in Ohio does. Whereas there is so much, there's an influx of wealth and superiority in the greater Detroit and Michigan area that they were able to have this essentially ivy league institution spring up and they felt that they were better at everything and then you know along you know someday ohio state finally was able to come into their own and uh that begets the uh building of the horseshoe And then just oh, just watching all the Woody Hayes footage, just I swear to God, it got me misty, man. It was it was beautiful thing. I loved it so much.
0: That documentary is absolutely amazing. And yeah, if you look back, (laughs) that is why uh, Michigan got so far ahead in the wins, uh, and not even just the wins against Ohio State, just being the winningest program of all time. Because back then it was like them and like Princeton. Because yeah, and Harvard. Absolutely. It was only like the yeah these elite type schools that had money. Nobody had money, and nobody cared about football in 1885. (laughs) I mean, but there it, were
1: also 10 people dying a year. From right, playing it was different.
0: <laughs> so since we stopped using the horse and buggy and they put a face mask on the helmet, Ohio State has largely dominated this rivalry. And hell yeah. So the the 90s when uh, Michigan uh, had that nice run against John Cooper, that was oh, that was the outlaw. That's a tough watch. That, that was
1: yeah, that was a tough part, but then I get to see the current president of the Youngstown State University jim tressel take the helm and the first thing he says is that you're going to be proud of us in the classroom you're going to be proud of us in the streets and you're going to be proud of us in 360 some odd days when we go up to ann arbor and it's like all right that's what's up game on this man understands what the dillio is
0: yeah it was just, it was kind of his uh his inauguration speech at uh, one of the basketball games when he got hired Beautiful. Uh, and uh, he, fo- no, he followed through and we did, we beat Michigan. The team was uh, kind of average this first year, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, he, he did beat Michigan and he, you know what? He should have just added on. Oh, in the next year, I'll just win the national championship.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Such a good watch. It got me really pumped up, man. Yeah. Good
0: stuff. So um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to bring up uh, regarding sports is uh, we, we finally, we finally got a name for the our our former Washington Redskins football team. Yeah,
1: they workshopped it real hard.
0: They did. <laughs> I guess I guess they're not quite done, but as of right now they are officially known as the Washington football team.
1: Your joke. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like it's so stupid. I can't believe it. Um, you know, like I, I was listening to Homeboy Bomani and he was like, you know what? We understand how difficult it is when you're paying these advertising people Millions of dollars to rebrand either a business or a franchise, and it takes a very long time. So, the fact that you thought you're going to be able to redo it in two months was completely asinine. Yeah, so everyone would have given you a pass if you would have said, Listen, we're gonna be the Redskins for this next year, but we'll have something the following year,
0: right? It's but it's no, work, you it's wanted to
1: do this half assed attempt <laughs> and this middle road stuff, it didn't make any better. You guys sound like idiots.
0: Yeah, they're going to end up coming up with something equally as lame as uh, Miami of Ohio uh, did when they changed from the Redskins to the the Redhawks.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, no, so they were thinking
1: about doing the Red Tails, which is, you know, this historically all-black squadron of pilots who uh, famously never lost a pilot in World War II, which is really cool, however... You should just not be, you know, kowtowing to the military, even though it's a military town. I know. And you should probably just leave any type of minorities or uh, ethnic group out of the renaming of it. It because all feels patronistic. It. Yeah, it all feels patronistic right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: This isn't the right time for that. Just be be somewhat original. Find something unique. but um, I'd- But
1: don't be the Seattle Kraken, okay? Like, did you see this? No, like that's the new that's the new hockey team for Seattle that they just came out with. And so my question is, how do you have like a mascot that's only one of them? And maybe that's the name for plural, but there's never been more than one Krakens in any of the tales that I heard of. First of all, it's a Norse myth, not a Pacific Northwest myth. And so what are you doing with it over there? And second of all, there's only one of them. It's not the Seattle red, or it's not the Washington red skin. It's not not the Brooklyn Dodger. It has to be plural. So when you have just one of something, it sounds so dumb. I couldn't get over it. I'm like, this has got to be some kind of uh, Mighty Ducks uh, branding opportunity for
0: spiced rum. Yeah, I don't even understand the affiliation. I guess, yeah, that would I guess that would make sense. I don't know if they drink a lot of spiced rum up there, but I guess you have stuff like the Utah Jazz. Uh, and there's only one jazz, you know, type of music. But you're not going to say the Utah Jazzes. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it it and it was the birthplace of jazz there in Salt Lake City. But it's an
1: ephemeral so, thing, or you know, it's like just a it's a.
0: It represents many many different songs. Jazz is a major part of that culture right there <laughs> so,
1: in Utah. Right. <laughs>
0: um, so oh, I don't know, the, I don't know what, the, I don't know. There are a lot of Greek, Greek people up in Seattle who are trying to get the, the Kraken in there or,
1: You know, I don't know. I I just think it's hilarious. And I would really love to hear what Washington ends up doing with theirs. And not only that, but, you know, Cleveland, um, Terry Francona, as far as I know, took the Indians away from their naming and um, is trying to move forward. And there have been a lot of brainstorming sessions in Cleveland lately as to what they're going to call their team. And they plan on moving forward from calling them the Indians. I don't think they're just going to settle on the Tribe. I think they're going to rebrand it, and it's probably going to be something stupid that nobody likes, and I'm really fearful for that.
0: It's 100% going to be something that nobody likes. Uh, I would really like it if they somehow went with the Tribe. I don't see it happening, though. Um, right. So Not
1: in these conditions. Maybe
0: they'll go with the Cleveland baseball team. Who knows? <laughs>
1: yeah, that sounds super good. But
0: uh, I did see a great T-shirt <laughs> with uh, that was actually just the old Redskins colors. It had that, uh, that crimson. Uh, colored T-shirt, and then with the, the bright yellow lettering, it said uh, the Washington uh, football team <laughs> in, like, the, the old Redskins uh, font, and it was actually hysterical. It's a T-shirt. That's fantastic. I would love there's to
1: wear. N- <laughs> There's nothing better than the Cleveland Caucasians shirt, though.
0: Oh, there, there's a, not even – have you seen all of them? Like, the Cleveland Asians and the Cleveland – there's, like, a whole group of them. They, they, well,
1: that's the original that I think Bomani wore on the air like five years ago or something. Yeah, that one's. Kind he of, caught one, a lot of hell for. it. That
0: one's kind of old, but they, they've made a ton of them. So check check nice. check them all out if you see them. They're great. They're all terrible stereotypes, but they do retain the the insane Chief Wahoo smile
1: right but i mean the the caucasian dude has like blood on the knife in his mouth i mean ooh, oh yeah that cuts to the bone he had
0: (laughs) he had the really dirty one yeah there's yeah they're all kind of funny though but uh whatever whatever they have to do i thought getting rid of chief wahoo was enough but if they got to rebrand the team let's do it you know let's i
1: know but it is sad i do feel bad just because i have an affinity to that name i love it so much and I, I hate the fact that it's kind of a dirty word right what now. What if they
0: became the Cleveland Indians from India?
1: And exactly. So the, we're talking dot, not feather.
0: Yes. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a bunch of, like, uh, Indian guys are, are, are the mascots. Like a whole group, uh, maybe... whole group of Indian guys are, are the uh, the logo.
1: Just- I was going to say, maybe if some kind of business consor- consortium from Mumbai decided to buy the franchise and rename it that, right. it would be okay. So totally not
0: inappropriate. They own it, and they want to be the Indians.
1: <laughs> they all
0: buy their caps, and they they pose for the logo together. And now we're the Cleveland Indians from India.
1: Yeah, it turns out they're going to change the colors and the mascot, but at least it rolls off the tongue just the same.
0: Right, you know. They start serving like a chicken tandoori at uh, the oh please the Jake. let's do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I like stadium mustard and a green hot dog as much as the next guy, <laughs> but come on, give me some tikka masala any day. I
0: need some chicken vindaloo with the lamb saag. Um,
1: yes, please.
0: I think that's probably all we've got time for today. So we should... it
1: is. It was jam packed as always. It was fun.
0: Yeah, a little more than I thought we had, but uh, as usual, we tend to. Uh, expound and proliferate on the things that we're emotional about, which is all things. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> yeah, I can get hype about just about anything. So I, don't get me started on the birds that come into my house.
0: <laughs> I wanted to do something different as we ended today's show. I wanted to uh, thank everyone for listening, of course. But um, if you are a listener of the show and uh, you. Have a, a topic or an idea or even just a question that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. You can email us please do with uh, your question or your topic that you'd like to hear about at born be mild podcast all one word all lowercase no spaces at gmail.com that's born to be mild podcast at gmail and we will check out your ideas and maybe we'll discuss you and give you an on air. Thanks
1: absolutely that sounds great um as always let's thank ryan little for our fantastic intro theme music and if you can please uh formulate your suggestions in the categories of person woman man camera or tv (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you guys next week
0: you guys take care Hey, everyone. We want to thank you all again for tuning in. Share with your friends on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, or anywhere else you can find a podcast. Peace.